Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Bob Couture. Bob lives in Hermosa Beach and I live right next to him. And for those that don't know, that's in Los Angeles and he owns and operates properties in New England. So I wanted to unpack that later. He's worked for a Fortune 500 company. Companies was an army officer for 22 years. So thank you for your service. And is the managing partner of CP Property Group. Welcome, Bob. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Thanks for having me on, Gary. So a bit about myself. I got into real estate after a deployment. My wife had been telling me, get into real estate, get into real estate. And I kept hearing, be a real estate agent. That's not exactly what I wanted to do. And then I was working on Northrop Grumman at the time when I left there. So I had come back from a deployment. Northrop was holding my job and I came back. I was a different person. They were a different company. And it was time to move on. And when I was looking at the money that I had, it's like, well, these dollars would go much further in Massachusetts, where I'm from, from Springfield, Mass. My dad was semi-retired and like, oh, this seems perfect. I'm going to go, I'm going to go try flip houses. My dad was in construction growing up on the interior, exterior painting and carpentry, finished carpentry rather. And so went, went from there. And then I became an accidental landlord where my two first, my first two flips did not flip. And then I got mailbox money. I never thought I'd want to deal with tenants and toilets, but the mailbox money was coming in. And then I knew that the house flipping was going to be a job and I needed to look at how do I create generational wealth in my family? And then we went on to multifamilies and syndications and, and the like, and that's where we are today. Awesome. Yeah. The flipping business is very transactional and single family homes in general, is just very hard to scale. And so when you, so many people that are in multifamily now came from that like single family home background and it just realizes it's just so much easier. You have the full-time staff and a regional manager and third-party property management. It just really helps. Although you do your property management in-house, correct? Or Yes, and uh, but we are exploring and interviewing third-party. And we have some properties that are on third-party management, especially the, we've got some properties in Maine. The ones in the Springfield area are in-house, and then we have one in West Hartford. And I think the West Hartford one we're looking at, third-party. So we started getting into you know investing outside from where you live, and, and people debate that all the time. And there's no right or wrong answer, whatever works for you. And obviously, you had an area that you're familiar with, you had some resources there. But you know, what would you you know talk about some of the obstacles you had to face by investing so far away? 
the obstacles are getting out to property. So we were able to handle that with uh, another partner that was the boots on the ground. Once that partner departed, then it was reliance on the property management company, the team there. That becomes hard on on the trying to source deals because they're not really looking at it as an owner and and investors, but they did a good job and we were able to crunch that and and then we get over. I go there about once a month anyways. That part, moving quickly on deals, took a little bit to understand and to work out. But with technology these days, like we're able to solve all kinds of problems, like just let's get on video and show me what it is and, and get that visual and Google Earth. And so that's come to change over the last decade and become easier and easier. Yeah, definitely. There's so many things that you could tell them, but you have the property manager walk around with the camera phone and like I show you exactly what's going on. And yeah, you know, as long as you're consistent with that communication, I think that that solves a lot of issues. And for someone that lives so far away, I mean, I've talked to other owners that visit their properties every three months, every six months once stabilized. And I'm quite honestly shocked by how little they visit their properties. And it could be, you know, within two hours. And here you're seeing your properties on a consistent basis, which I think is important, no matter how far away your properties are. And one thing I've learned in this, and it kind of comes from the Reagan era of trust, but verify. So I don't always announce my trips and that really keeps everyone on, on their toes. You know, they kind of expect me to be there once a month, but not knowing the exact date, then everyone's operating with the expectation that I could show up. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We do that all the time. I mean, particularly on a Friday, you know, Hey, I'd love to be hanging out, like, you know, having a drink with a buddy, but I'm going to go visit them, particularly on a Friday and see, you know, if things are getting done because we're paying them and, you know, not to catch anyone. I want to actually catch them doing something good, quite honestly. But yeah, I think, you know, if you can get your team to feel like an owner that their input is important, they're going to work that much harder for you. Yeah. yeah. So I know you do some affordable housing investing as well. Talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, so we bought a low-income housing tax credit building. We were not the beneficiaries of the tax credit. Those credits were for the previous owner slash developer. They did a really great job on this property. And now it's restricted by the tenancy has to be low income and meet a certain annual median income. And this has been a fantastic property. For one, it's all the heavy lifting is done. There's new roof, new electrical, new plumbing, great, great porches, sprinkler systems and the like. So just a phenomenal building. And then because it's a nice building, the tenants really care for it. Actually, they're very proud of, of the building. Our little challenge in it was about the, how do you do continue to do raises and make, you know, keep up. And that has been okay. But what we've learned, and this was through another property management company was, if you're putting a subsidized tenant in there, then you're getting market rate instead of just someone who can only pay what the median income rate is going to be. Because by virtue of having that subsidy, they are under the median income and then the subsidy brings you to market. And that's been huge for this property. And as units turn over, that's where we're targeting more and more. So it was a pleasant surprise, and but we liked the building. We knew that it was going to do great. The numbers worked as is, and then we get you know great bankers like you know Andrew Wessling at Walker and Dunlop. It makes things really, really easy. Yeah, I think a lot of people shy away from affordable housing. You know, they they don't want to deal with Section Eight or or whatnot. 
But there's opportunity everywhere. You just have to see. And And Build Back Better has a ton of money allocated to affordable housing. And kind of the joke now is is affordable housing is new. It's always been around, but it's the drumbeat on we need more housing. We need more affordable housing. Fannie Mae's charter is 50% of their loans have to be towards mission critical affordable housing. The opportunities there. <laughs> and I'll tell you something, kind of a funny side note, as another partner and I have been looking into, we own that building. And as we're looking at some other development opportunities, what we're finding is there's a small group that are in this affordable housing and they all seem to be like Yale, Harvard types. And it can be very complex and it is a tight circle and they all seem happy. <laughs> they are so happy. We joke like we're on the wrong side of it. The for-profit might be the wrong side of, of this and, and the nonprofit, everyone seems very, very happy and doing well. Yeah, and I'm familiar with a group that's doing some stuff in Houston, getting a ton of tax credits. And there is a lot of money to be made, even because of the way that those household incomes are figured out and everything, there's, you could still make a very, very good profit, even if it's called affordable housing. And even on, on like the development side, you have so much opportunity there. They, they look at it as the, they're front loading your equity and then that building has the restrictions, but you've been compensated for that. So uh, mostly Massachusetts, New England area. Would you ever invest any closer to home or is that you're just not even looking and you just, You've got your infrastructure and your team ready to, you know, in in New England. That's a great question. I ask myself that every day. And I do want to invest in California. I'd love to invest here in our backyard. I get very concerned about Sacramento and what happens throughout the state. You know, Massachusetts has never been called a landlord-friendly state either. But it's the devil I know. And I think I will eventually. I've been also on syndication-wise, I've been looking to do more as a capital raiser to other syndications. And I'm finding that what I, the, the feedback I'm getting from my investors is, love what you're doing, want to continue to invest with you, but we're not geographically diversified. And I can do that better and faster through alliances. Nice. Well, I asked this question of all of our guests, what is your asset management superpower? For the Springfield, Massachusetts area, my parents are my superpower. <laughs> they live there. They've been there forever. I grew up there and they're investors in most of the projects and they're always driving around. They're checking in. If, if things aren't right, I get a phone call and pretty much everyone from the property management team knows them. And, and so it's a, it's a very comforting feeling that you know there's no one going to have your back but more so than your parents. And might sound childlike, a 50-year-old man, they're investors and they've got an interest in all this. And yeah, they've been my superpower throughout my entire life, not just through asset management. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Bob, I appreciate you coming on the show and adding a ton of value on investing from across the country and affordable housing. Where can listeners find out more about you? Uh, they can check out the website. It's uh, www.cp-propertygroup. And then my email is bob at cp-propertygroup. And, and I actually, I still pick up my phone. I'm surprised how few still pick up their phone. And I'm at 310-922-5436. Awesome. Thanks so much. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. 
And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.